All right, guys, you're here with Josh Thompson, Big John McCarthy. Um, we have decided to do this little weekly quick show that we're going to start talking about. Basically, just a couple little topics, like four quick questions, 15, 20 minutes, you know, maybe a little bit more than 20 if it goes into that because Big John likes to talk. Um, you know, we'll, we'll try. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> so we will, uh, you know, but there's a couple things I think that's, that's on everyone's mind. So we'll talk a little bit. We're not going to really get into the fights. From the weekend, this is more just overall stuff that, um, you know, that is kind of the buzz around social media or just the buzz in the industry and in the MMA community, whether it be UFC, 1FC, Bellator, or any other fight companies that are out there. Uh, we can talk about, you know, certain stuff. But the one thing John and I have always kind of talked about while we've been traveling on the road is, John, who's on your Mount Rushmore? Oh, man, if you can say Mount Rushmore for MMA, I you know, I look at it a little different than some people because I think you got to be smart about who you put in there. There's no way that you can have a Mount Rushmore for MMA and not have the guy that was the first one that brought everyone's attention to it. The guy that was taking on bigger fighters, the guy that was choking people out when it was not popular to be using grappling. Hoist Gracie's got to be on that Mount Rushmore. No doubt in my mind. He deserves it. He should be there. And I would put him in that position. Uh, the next guy I'd put, wow, George St. Pierre has got to be on it too. And when you look at a guy that has had a career the way he has, winning multiple titles in different weight classes, his reign once he established, he, he won the title, he lost the title, he got that title back, and then the reign that he established throughout it and the way he changed the fight game. He brought it into the next level. I got to put George St. Pierre on the list. Fedor Emelianenko is another one. What he did in Pride, the, the win streak that he had for that long and how he did it, he's going to be on my Mount Rushmore. And, uh, you know, it's so hard to say the other guys, but the, everyone's in there. I kind of want to put, you know, the guy who created the whole thing, Art Davey. He deserves it. If it wasn't for him coming up and making it happen, it never would have happened. So he might be on my Mount Rushmore, too. Two guys from UFC 1. But if I was going to say another fighter, it would probably be uh, Anderson Silva would be on the list right there. Randy Couture would be someone that I would have a lot of uh, want for that. And now Daniel Cormier is another guy that I'm looking at. If he can win this fight against Stipe, and if he ends up taking on John Jones, definitely if he wins it, you got to look at Daniel Cormier. Look at the championships he won, the Grand Prix with Strike Force, the light heavyweight title, the heavyweight title. Daniel Cormier has brought himself into that position. All right, so I, I feel you on a couple of them. Obviously, <laughs> I, ha I have a hard, I have a hard um, line with people that have been busted for cheating. So for me, Anderson Silva is off the list. Yeah, well, that, that's why I, had, like, yeah. I say I'd like to. What he what has happened in the last part of his career yeah. is what does take him off of the list. Yeah, you're right. I agree with you. So, I, I, for me, wh where do you? F so for me, I agree with you. I agree with you on Hoist. I agree with you on GSP. Um, I'm not too familiar as much as much like with Art Davy, and I understand the history behind it all and stuff. But I don't know if that's kind of what I was looking for. But I mean, for you, I understand why uh, your reason your reasoning behind it. I'm thinking more in terms of fighters. Fighters, um, oh, I know. Yeah, so for yep. me, I would say Hoist, GSP. Um, do, how do you fit Frank Shamrock in that mix? 
You know, and, and the problem for Frank is this. I mean, Frank had a run that was phenomenal. And, and you look at what he did, and he was the, the at the time it was the middleweight champion mm-hmm. of uh, the UFC. And undefeated, takes his belt, puts it down on the ground, and walks away. And you look and you go, hey, he had some incredible fights. He had an incredible fight, you know, outside of the UFC when he first fought John Lober. And he fought him in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And you go back and you watch that fight and everything that happened. And you then you watch the progression of how he changed as a fighter. And what he did for the sport in a lot of ways, you know, he brought Strike Force up on his back because he was the main fighter for Strike Force at the time that he was the name. And he, yep. he kind of helped Scott Coker establish that. It's just that Frank, in a, in a lot of ways, had fights that he never fought that top guy. Yeah. He fought the top guy at the time back at UFC 22 when it was Tito Ortiz. But then as he got longer in his career, he was fighting guys like Phil Baroni, who had fought, you know, had fought in the UFC, yeah. beating some guys, but never was fighting the top guys at the time. And that's that's the difference. That's why the George St. Pierre, he fought every top guy because he was the top guy. Every number one contender yeah. was taking him on. And so I look at that when Fedor was fighting in pride, he was fighting all those guys that were – you know, the Nogueras and the Crow Cops. He was taking on all those top guys. That's what I'm looking for. Daniel Cormier taking on all those top guys. Okay. You know, you look at the guys that he's faced, that's what you have to have. And in my opinion, for the Mount Rushmore, now I'm not talking Hall of Fame, yeah. because Frank Shamrock absolutely deserves yeah. to be in the UFC's Hall of Fame. He deserves that, no doubt, hands down, 100%. The, the difference for me for that Mount Rushmore is just the quality of opponents throughout the career. Okay, so now that you just touched on that, I'll just give you another name, though. I, I can agree with you on the Frank Shamrock thing, but I'll give you another name, BJ Penn. Well, you got to look at it. When we're talking about... You said the quality of the opponents, the quality of opponents. Quality he was doing things BJ's before everybody else no was doing it. Take a look at the record. Yeah. You know, when you're taking a look at the record, that's what tends to take BJ out of the equation. At one time, I would have told you BJ was the most talented fighter that I had seen as far as having the whole package. He was that guy, and he took on anybody. Think about man. You know, he was going against Leota Machida at light heavyweight, heavyweight. I mean, it was crazy the stuff that BJ did. Yeah, and you can look and say. BJ is absolutely one of the best fighters in this this sport has ever seen at a certain point in his career. You could take John Jones. Take a look at the list of fighters that John Jones has beaten. And there's no doubt that John Jones is absolutely one of the greatest fighters, if not the greatest fighter there's ever been. But do I think he belongs on that Mount Rushmore? I think that that Mount Rushmore, in my opinion, is not just what you do in the cage. Hmm. It's sometimes what you do outside of the cage. Okay. That's why Daniel Cormier and him, what he does with kids and the taking a time to do wrestling and all the things that he's doing for other people, that's part of what puts you on that list. Yeah, so for me, I keep BJ on there because like Muhammad Ali had a lot of crappy fights at the end of his career, okay? And we still look at him as being yeah. potentially one of the, the best. You know, People talk about him being the best of all time, whatever it was, but they, the hype and all the things that came around with him and all the things that he did to help bring boxing to that next level for me bj did all those things he left when he was the champion he started another organization with his family 
was the champion there, but then also brought in guys that the UFC couldn't sign. Talking to Gomi, fought the best, who everyone considered the best lightweight in the world at the time was Gomi. They thought, people were saying. BJ walked right through him. I was there at that show. They put their own money on the line. He helped change the sport and bring it to what the level is now. He made the UFC rewrite their contracts based on the fact that he left while he while he was the champion. Then he came back and sure he had some losses to GSP and to you know some other guys. But the thing is, is he was never the biggest guy. And we've talked. You just brought up the Leona Machida thing. I will, I think, always put him on there because he beat Matt Hughes when people thought Matt Hughes was unstoppable. You know, and then after he beat Matt oh, Hughes. No he left and went and beat, you know, he went and beat Henzo Gracie, Rodrigo Gracie, and and Takanori Gomi outside of his and did his own promotion, built him up to be a superstar there. And then he fought Lyoto Machida, who was what, 220 pounds in K1. And honestly, it was a great fight. I mean, I thought it was a great fight. He had some now, obviously, towards the end of his career, we're looking at all the losses he's strung up. But um he never is someone that shied away from a fight. I think as a fighter, he's a true fighter deep down inside. He still is, and we've seen some of the troubles he's had, you know, recently uh, fighting outside. But it's who he is. He's he's a fighter. I think for me, I have to put him on there. I, I, I don't want to go so much based off of, like you were talking about, what you do outside the cage as well, but all the things that you've helped do to get the sport where it is now. I mean, there's four gyms in, in Hawaii that have his name on it, UFC gyms that say BJ Penn on it. I mean, he's that fighter that's done all the other things to elevate not just the UFC, but the sport itself. And uh, so I put him on there. I could, I could I see your argument with the Frank Shamrock deal. Um, I For me, Fedor would go on there as well because obviously in the heyday of pride and he didn't seem like someone who was on steroids. And we know a lot of the guys that he was fighting, they were. Um, you know, when I fought over there, they had talked about the contract said we do not test for steroids. So you knew that they weren't testing for steroids. Um, you know, and that, that to me, I think the, for him to do the things that he did against all those top level guys, Murko at the time was knocking everybody out with head kicks and, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and, um, Nogueira and Big Nog, those guys were all, they were just walking through guys, subbing everybody, beating everybody up. But I thought, um, I think for sure, Fedor. So, I mean, realistically, I've got, like you said, Hoist, GSP, BJ Penn, Fedor. You know, I'm missing probably one. But I think I'm going to leave that slot open for right now because I, the only reason why I say that right now is because people talk about John Jones, people talk about Anderson. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna be very upfront and real, and this, that leads me into my next question. Is for me right now. I'm gonna leave that spot for Khabib, because the whole thing is is to do something. You you should you uh, you know. But he's 27 and 0, and he's also 27 0 in the hardest weight class in the world in in MMA. It is the hardest weight class, and I'm not trying to be biased. It's just true. It's the hardest. <laughs> it's the You're hardest weight class to be successful in. <laughs> And the fact that he's 27-0 in the hardest weight class. And not only that, people talk about John Jones being the most dominant fighter there is. But let me just tell you, he hadn't lost one round until he took a round off against Conor McGregor. That says something about how dominant somebody is. And he also is the most dominant in the hardest weight class there is. John Jones sure is dominant, but he's lost rounds. Not only has he lost rounds, his performance the other night when I watched him fight Santos, I thought he lost. I thought he lost one, two, and five. Now, I mean, I, I can see the smile you thought maybe otherwise, but... Yeah, yeah I thought otherwise. Yeah, I, I, th I thought he lost. I thought, And the other thing, too, now after coming out and hearing 
He tore his MCL, his his PCL, and his ACL, and was able to yep. keep fighting and had a, had a great performance and still had John somewhat kind of backing up at moments. I had him winning one, two, and five. Just that was me, I'm, I, and I'm not arguing with the with the decision. I had him winning, but I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, he blew him out of the water. This is a robbery." I, I don't think that, but that's no. the way I scored the fight. That's okay, and, and you're, you know I agree with you on two of those rounds. Yeah, in my opinion, no doubt. It was a close round, but I thought Santos won the first round of that fight. Yeah. I definitely thought he won the fifth round. Yeah. The second round is the one that's not in the end. I've gone through that round. We, you know, I just, just taught a course, and we went through it, and I went through it minute by minute with people. Mm-hmm. And the, the real big difference, there's a point where John throws a kick, and, and Santos goes down, but he goes down because he's off balance. Yes. He goes down trying to get away, and he's got a bad knee kind of already at the time. But he does go down, and the kick does land, but it's the elbow that he lands. Hmm. John lands a left elbow that you can see it blast Santos. Hmm. And Santos changes as a fighter for about 40 seconds of that round because of that elbow. That's the most That's the most persuasive blow of that round, hmm. and that's the reason John did win the second round. And it, sometimes it is just that one blow. Yeah. And that is why John was able to hold on to his, his title. And it was a close fight. It was a good fight. And I give Santos so much credit fighting on a knee that is torn up. And, you know, anybody that's been part of the sport has had injuries. And if you've ever blown out your knee, and I know you have, mm-hmm. look at it. To stand on something that is just, you, you, you take a movement. And, you know, when he was kicking with his left leg, I was saying, okay, that's, look at it. If, if you've got that bad leg, you can still kick with it. Because you can't pivot on it, but yeah. when he would throw a kick with his right leg and have to pivot on his left leg, I'm going, "Oh, it's got to be killing him." Yeah, it's cringy. But it was impressive that he stayed with it. I was just very impressed with he didn't give up, he didn't give in, and he was trying to the very end. He he didn't even talk to his corners about the fact that it was hurt in between rounds. Yep. There was they kept going to the corners, seeing if, if he could say what was wrong. Never once did he say like, "Hey, my knee, I'm done." I think everyone knew. But they didn't bring it up. I was pretty impressed with that. As a matter of fact, that was probably one of the things that impressed me the most. But to get back to... Um, one, one, go ahead. One of those things I was wondering, though, after that, because of that, is I wonder, did he injure it in training before the fight? He knew it was injured and just went out because he had to make that fight happen anyways. Yeah, yeah because otherwise he would have ended up... He would have ended up having surgery and being out for a year. He wasn't guaranteed a title shot when he came back. Who's to say he didn't get the knockout? Right. You know, and get the win, and then go on sabbatical for a year, whatever. Get his knee healed. I, I agree. I, mean, I think better that better that way that he fought, anyways. Uh, it's unfortunate though, because you hate to have that. You're 35 years old. You hate to have your title shot. Something like that happen during your title shot. You know that sucks. Absolutely. To go back to the Khabib thing though is I was just one of the is what's your take on that? Your take because for me with John Jones, he's people talk about him being the most dominant fighter. Is it because he's flashier? Which I think it is. He's, he's flashier. Sure, he dispatches the people, but like to me, he wasn't very. He wasn't very um, against Anthony Smith, and now against Santos, he wasn't very compelling to show that he was. He's that guy. Because remember, Anderson Silva kind of started doing the same thing towards the end of his career, kind of like moving the hands around, doing a lot of movements, but didn't really throw punches. And John, to me, in that fight, didn't fight the same way. So I put Khabib more ahead of DC because. Khabib right now is undefeated in the heavier weight class. And not to mention, the 205-pound weight class, it's not the most stacked. Let's say the 185 and the 205 and the heavyweights, it's a, those are weak divisions. 
They're weak. You know, you have the yeah. top four guys, five guys, and then sure, there are a couple guys come in every once in a while and explode on the scene, but they're not the most stacked division. Yeah, but you, you could say that, and, and I agree with you when you say, if you're going to say, is 155 more stacked than light heavyweight or heavyweight? Absolutely. There's just more guys of that size that fit yeah. in that class, and what Khabib has done is incredible. But Khabib has won one title, and he's had it for... How many fights? Yeah, true, true. Two fights. Yeah. All right. He's got to do more. And you are absolutely right. I will tell you, in all the fights that I did with Khabib, he dominated every opponent he faced. Mm -hmm. He is incredible. You are absolutely right. He has that ability to make that, that position on that Mount Rushmore. He has that ability, and he can follow through with it because it all comes down to what you're talking about. People are starting, you know, look at there, there's little blueprints that are put out by guys on how to beat somebody. And look at some of these guys are starting to figure out John and how he controls distance and everything. Nobody has figured out Khabib yet. They all know what he's going to do. They just can't figure out how to stop it. And they can't figure out how once he gets on top of them, that's when they learn, oh, my God, he does this in a different way than anybody I've been training with. And Khabib has that ability. I just don't look at it like he's gone far enough. He had a lot of fights before he came in the UFC. He's been phenomenal ever since. And like I said, every opponent that I have ever been in there with him, he dominated. And that's some good opponents. You know, we're talking guys that are fantastic fighters, have a lot of wins, and he made them look average. Yeah. So he, he could be that guy. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, yeah. I understand that in this day and age, people that win multiple titles, they're trying to. That, that's kind of what we're we're putting that Mount Rushmore now. Is do you have two titles? Do you potentially even look yeah. into fight for a three? It, it's true, but I think if he finishes career at the 155 pound division, which I don't think he will, if he finishes at 155 and he finishes undefeated, 32 and 0 or 35 and 0 or whatever, I think it's going to be hard not to put him on that Mount Rushmore. Yeah, you you could be absolutely right. I look at it this way, and when it comes down to. You know, people talk about, like, you were bringing up Ali as the, as the greatest of all time. Was Ali the greatest boxer of all time? No. No. Let's be honest. He's not. No. Okay. Was he one of, was, was he someone that, that elevated the sport of boxing? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But if you take a look at guys that you're going to say possible best of all time, Sugar Ray Robinson, mm -hmm. look at lightweight champion, welterweight champion, middleweight champion, and should have won the light heavyweight title but was dehydrated after winning 14 of 15 rounds against the champion and couldn't go out for that last round. Okay. Now, now you're talking about guys that are that greatest of all time and mm. look at how many titles in different weight classes he had. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um, the other thing is I noticed that they inducted this week. They, they did the induction for um, Diego Sanchez and Clay Guida and what I want to get your take, does it kind of diminish the the inductions in the Hall of Fames while the fighters are still active? Yeah, you know, it, there, there's two sides to that. Not that they don't I, deserve I it. Not it. that they don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. I'm, not, I'm not saying that. Exactly. I'm just saying. But, you know, it's exactly what you're saying. You can hold off on that fight. There's a lot of other fights, too, Yeah, that you could say, hey, those guys, that was a Hall of Fame fight. Those guys deserve to be there. And 
I really am that person that looks and says, I like the way the NFL kind of conducts their Hall of Fame in that hey, you have to be retired for five years mm -hmm. before you can go into that Hall of Fame because we don't want an active player being in the Hall of Fame. We want that to be for guys that played in this league, played in this league at the highest level, and now they have retired out of it, and we want to honor you with that. I kind of like that. The UFC hasn't done that really, you know, yeah. with, with fighters. They have put fighters many times while they are fighting into the Hall of Fame. You know, the, the real problem for the, the UFC's Hall of Fame, if you're looking at it, is, you know, there needs to be more people involved with who actually goes in it outside of people that work for the UFC because, yeah. you know, there are, there are some people out there that deserve to be in that that are not in it. And it's because of personalities or something like that. And, and that, unfortunately, personalities should not be part of yeah. who is going in a Hall of Fame. It should be about the quality of what you brought to the sport, what you brought to that promotion. That's what it should be. So uh, I would rather see them wait on guys that are currently fighting because it's a little weird to say a Hall of Fame fighter and he's still fighting. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um the last thing, this is the one thing that I wanted to talk to you about is, um, because you would know this the most, is the Mazadal and Ben Askren KO. You obviously saw it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I oh, actually, yeah. I actually looked down at my phone for a split second and I looked up and the fight was over. I was oh, so mad. I had to watch the replay. I was, was like, what the? F um, will the commission get involved to, or if... Let's just say Mazadal was to file a petition saying that he wanted the actual um, time to be looked over to maybe even make it reduced even more because the fight was only what two three seconds, but the stoppage was I wouldn't say late, but the stoppage was a little bit longer because the ref was behind the action, so he couldn't get in. So will the commissioner anyone try to? What if he tried to file saying that he would like to have the knockout be two seconds instead of the five seconds? Well. Uh, it, the one thing you got to consider is this. The fight is stopped by the referee. Yeah. Okay. Not by the action of a fighter going down. All right. Many times we have a fighter go down. Now it was absolutely clear when yeah. Ben was going down that he was an unconscious fighter and he hits the ground. He stayed unconscious. He got hit with a couple more. And Jason Herzog did as good a job yeah. as anybody could have done in getting there because especially in that moment, Jason starts that fight. Well, his first thing is to move backwards to yeah. get out of the way of the fighters. He's moving backwards. This happens, and he's moving forward as fast as he can. I was impressed with how fast Jason got there. And uh, I was with Jason over the weekend, and we were talking about that fight. And he said, you know, look at Masvidal in the back was asking certain specific questions about where he could put his hands in a given situation. He was going to throw a knee. He's going to throw a lot of knees in this fight. Can I put my hands here? Can I do this? Can I do that? So Jason had an idea that he was looking to throw knees against Ben. He just didn't quite know that it was going to be the first and only one that was going to end the fight. But, you know, Masvidal could go to the commission and say, hey, can you look at this? But I honestly don't think they're going to change that time. Yeah. And you know what? It doesn't matter. No, I know it you know, doesn't it, matter. That, that fight, there's no one that's going to get anything faster. I have seen ones where... You know, uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Ludwig had that record in the UFC, and they actually did change his time 
from being nine seconds down to six based upon what you're saying. So could Nevada look at it and alter the time? The commission could alter the time, yeah. and it could end up being possibly four seconds, maybe even as few as three. Yeah. But I still don't think anyone's going to beat that record. Yeah. Uh, I think that one stands. You may tie it, but you ain't breaking it. I still think that Bob Cook has the fastest one. Bob Crazy Bob Cook has the fastest one, I think, in MMA history, obviously not in the UFC. But uh, the guy yeah. ran across, and Bob just stepped in with a stiff palm, and the guy buckled over, and the ref stopped. So I think I want to see the guy sprinted, you know, back in the day, guys would run across yeah. doing whatever. And the guy sprinted at him. Bob just stepped in with the with the straight iron palm to the face and the kid buckled over and the ref just stopped it right from there. It was the whole fight. I got to say was maybe a second and a half, two seconds. Was, <laughs> you know, but, if you look at the way Ben came out on that one, he came out fast and, and George did this almost. He acted like nothing and they kind of sprinted forward. They came together pretty damn fast. Yep. To get that, you know, action going, and man, George just did a incredible job of landing that perfect switch knee. It was beautiful. I I've said this. I don't know how many times I've said this though. I said, but you can't take, you can't change a wrestler's natural reaction to do what they do. And for for fighters, if you leave your feet, their natural reaction is to try and grab your legs. We saw it with Aaron Pico. Yeah. We saw it a little bit with Henry Cejudo and Marlon Marais, too. He threw a couple of jumping knees, and they landed on Cejudo. Same thing happened here. Their natural reaction is to put their head down and try and gab the legs. And sometimes it leads to a takedown. But sometimes it leads to the highlight reel knockouts. Yeah, exactly. And, you, and you know, you look at the, what happened with Ben, and, and did he make a mistake? Yeah, look at yeah. Ben has wrestled for his whole life. He's an incredible wrestler. No one ever taught Ben to put his eyes down towards the floor. Yeah. Where yeah. where where is that head and eye supposed to be? Always at your opponent. Yeah. He made that yeah. simple little mistake. And that's what cost him because yeah. you know you gotta keep your eyes on your opponent. Then you'll see it. Maybe you can move your head and you it's gonna hit an area that's not gonna hurt you as bad. But man, you gotta hand it. Hand it to Jorge Masvidal. What a win and what a way to do it. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm interested to see what they're gonna do with him next because of the um Colby Covington fighting Lawler. Does that put him back in the title shot? If it being next, if he wins, Mazadal just beat Till and beat Ben Askren, who's undefeated. Like now they're both kind of right there. So I mean, I know it's let's yeah. not get our our panties in a bunch and let's see what happens. But I mean, they potentially could be right there lined up to fight each other or fight for the titles next. So interesting stuff. Kind of a weird, kind of a weird situation when you look at that whole thing because Covington, Lawler, and Masvidal used to train together. That's weird, huh? That's strange. Yeah, but should should make for some good fights. Yep. <laughs> I think they know each other. All right, are you when you go to Thackerville? I am taking off Wednesday morning. Wednesday, going in. Be there for the fighter meetings, and then we have the fights Friday. We got some really good fights coming yes. up, so it should be a lot of fun. Thackerville always has the best shows. They got some great shows, man. It's such a a unique place with yeah. a incredible little arena that they have as far as the way it's set up and the fights always tend to be fantastic. They're so always fantastic wait. there. All right, bud. Well, I'm not going to keep you long. I know you're on East Coast time. Thanks for standing up and staying up and uh, tell the wife you said hi and we will I'll send you over the links in the videos and we'll see if you can just post them up and we'll get it all going. Sounds good, brother. You take it easy, man. And I'll see if I don't see you before Connecticut, I'll see you next month in Connecticut. All right, brother. All right, man. Easy. Bye. Have a good show.